Section 43 of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter 19 destroying and transporting effects of tides and currents difference in the rise of tides lagulas and gulf currents velocity of currents causes of currents action of the sea on the british coast shetland islands large blocks removed isles reduced to clusters of rocks orkney isles waste of east coast of scotland and east coast of england waste of the cliffs of holderness norfolk and suffolk sand dunes how far chronometers silting up of estuaries yarmouth estuary suffolk coast dunwich essex coast estuary of the thames goodwin sands coast of kent formation of the straits of dover south coast of england sussex haunts dorset portland origin of the chessel bank cornwall coast of brittany although the movements of great bodies of water termed tides and currents are in general due to very distinct causes their effects cannot be studied separately for they produce by their joint action aided by that of the waves those changes which are objects of geological interest these forces may be viewed in the same manner as we before considered rivers first as employed in destroying portions of the solid crust of the earth and removing them to other places secondly as reproductive of new strata tides it would be superfluous at the present day to offer any remarks on the cause of the tides they are not perceptible in lakes or in most inland seas in the mediterranean even deep and extensive as is that sea they are scarcely sensible to ordinary observation their effects being quite subordinate to those of the winds and currents in some places however as in the straits of messina there is an ebb and flow to the amount of two feet and upwards at naples and at the euripus of twelve or thirteen inches and at venice according to renal of five feet in the certis also of the ancients two wide shallow gulfs which penetrate very far within the northern coast of africa between carthage and cyrene the rise is said to exceed five feet in islands remote from any continent the ebb and flow of the ocean is very slight as at st helena for example where it is rarely above three feet in any given line of coast the tides are greatest in narrow channels bays and estuaries and least in the intervening tracts where the land is prominent thus at the entrance of the estuary of the thames and medway the rise of the spring tides is eighteen feet 
but when we follow our eastern coast from thence northward towards lowstoff and yarmouth we find a gradual diminution until at the places last mentioned the highest rise is only seven or eight feet from this point there begins again to be an increase so that at cormer where the coast again retires towards the west the rise is sixteen feet and towards the extremity of the gulf called the wash as at lynn and in boston deeps it is from twenty-two to twenty-four feet and in some extraordinary cases twenty-six feet from thence again there is a decrease towards the north the elevation at the spurn point being from nineteen to twenty feet and at flamborough head and the yorkshire coast from fourteen to sixteen feet at milford haven in pembrokeshire at the mouth of the bristol channel the tides rise thirty-six feet and at king road near bristol forty-two feet at chepstow on the wye a small river which opens into the estuary of the severn they reach fifty feet and sometimes sixty-nine and even seventy-two feet a current which sets in on the french coast to the west of cape la hague comes pent up by guernsey jersey and other islands till the rise of the tide is from twenty to forty-five feet which last height it attains at jersey and at st malo a seaport of brittany the tides in the basin of mines at the head of the bay of fundy in nova scotia rise to the height of seventy feet there are however some coasts where the tides seem to offer an exception to the rule above mentioned for while there is scarcely any rise in the estuary of the plata in south america there is an extremely high tide on the open coast of patagonia farther to the south yet even in this region the tides reach their greatest elevation about fifty feet in the straits of magellan and so far at least they conform to the general rule currents the most extensive and best determined system of currents is that which has its source in the indian ocean under the influence of the trade winds and which after doubling the cape of good hope inclines to the northward along the western coast of africa then across the atlantic near the equator where it is called the equatorial current and is lost in the caribbean sea yet seems to be again revived in the current which issues from the gulf of mexico from thence it flows rapidly through the straits of bahama taking the name of the gulf stream and passing in a northeasterly direction by the banks of newfoundland towards the azores we learn from the posthumous work of rennell on this subject that the lagulas current so called from the cape and bank of that name is formed by the junction of two streams flowing from the indian ocean the one from the channel of mozambique down the southeast coast of africa the other from the ocean at large 
the collective stream is from ninety to one hundred miles in breadth and runs at the rate of from two and a half to more than four miles per hour it is at length turned westward by the lagula's bank which rises from a sea of great depth to within one hundred fathoms of the surface it must therefore be inferred says Rennell, that the current here is more than one hundred fathoms deep otherwise the main body of it would pass across the bank instead of being deflected westward so as to flow round the cape of good hope from this cape it flows northward as before stated along the western coast of africa taking the name of the south atlantic current it then enters the bight or bay of benin and is turned westward partly by the form of the coast there and partly perhaps by the guinea current which runs from the north into the same great bay from the centre of this bay proceeds the equatorial current already mentioned holding a westerly direction across the atlantic which it traverses from the coast of guinea to that of brazil flowing afterwards by the shores of guiana to the west indies the breadth of this current varies from one hundred sixty to four hundred fifty geographical miles and its velocity is from twenty-five to seventy-nine miles per day the mean rate being about thirty miles the length of its whole course is about four thousand miles as it skirts the coast of guiana it is increased by the influx of the waters of the amazon and orinoco and by their junction acquires accelerated velocity after passing the island of trinidad it expands and is almost lost in the caribbean sea but there appears to be a general movement of that sea towards the mexican gulf which discharges the most powerful of all currents through the straits of florida where the waters run in the northern part with a velocity of four or five miles an hour having a breadth of from thirty-five to fifty miles the temperature of the gulf of mexico is eighty-six degrees fahrenheit in the summer or six degrees higher than that of the ocean in the same parallel twenty-five degrees north latitude and a large proportion of this warmth is retained even where the stream reaches the forty-three degree north latitude after issuing from the straits of florida the current runs in a northerly direction to cape hatteras in north carolina about thirty-five degrees north latitude where it is more than seventy miles broad and still moves at the rate of seventy-five miles per day in about the forty degree north latitude it is turned more towards the atlantic by the extensive banks of nantucket and st george which are from two hundred to three hundred feet beneath the surface of the sea a clear proof that the current exceeds that depth on arriving near the azores the stream widens and overflows as it were forming a large expanse of warm water in the centre of the north atlantic over a space of two hundred or three hundred miles from north to south and 
having a temperature of from eight degrees to ten degrees fahrenheit above the surrounding ocean the whole area covered by the gulf water is estimated by rennell at two thousand miles in length and at a mean three hundred fifty miles in breadth an area more extensive than that of the mediterranean the warm water has been sometimes known to reach the bay of biscay still retaining five degrees of temperature above that of the adjoining ocean and a branch of the gulf current occasionally drifts fruits plants and wood the produce of america and the west indies to the shores of ireland and the hebrides from the above statements we may understand why rennell has characterized some of the principal currents as oceanic rivers which he describes as being from fifty to two hundred fifty miles in breadth and having a rapidity exceeding that of the largest navigable rivers of the continents and so deep as to be sometimes obstructed and occasionally turned aside by banks the tops of which do not rise within forty fifty or even one hundred fathoms of the surface of the sea greatest velocity of currents the ordinary velocity of the principal currents of the ocean is from one to three miles per hour but when the boundary lands converge large bodies of water are driven gradually into a narrow space and then wanting lateral room are compelled to raise their level whenever this occurs their velocity is much increased the current which runs through the race of alderney between the island of that name and the mainland has a velocity of about eight english miles an hour captain hewitt found that in the pentland firth the stream in ordinary spring tides runs ten miles and a half an hour and about thirteen miles during violent storms the greatest velocity of the tidal current through the chutes or new passage in the bristol channel is fourteen english miles an hour and captain king observed in his survey of the straits of magellan that the tide ran at the same rate through the first narrows and about eight geographical miles an hour in other parts of those straits causes of currents that movements of no inconsiderable magnitude should be impressed on an expansive ocean by winds blowing for many months in one direction may easily be conceived when we observe the effects produced in our own seas by the temporary action of the same cause it is well known that a strong southwest or northwest wind invariably raises the tides to an unusual height along the west coast of england and in the channel and that a northwest wind of any continuance causes the baltic to rise two feet and upwards above its ordinary level smeaton ascertained by experiment that in a canal four miles in length the water was kept up four inches higher at one end than at the other merely by the action of the wind along the canal and rennell informs us that a large piece of water ten miles broad 
and generally only three feet deep has by a strong wind had its waters driven to one side and sustained so as to become six feet deep while the windward side was laid dry as water therefore he observes when pent up so that it cannot escape acquires a higher level so in a place where it can escape the same operation produces a current and this current will extend to a greater or less distance according to the force by which it is produced by the side of the principal oceanic currents such as the lagulas and the gulf stream are parallel countercurrents running steadily in an opposite direction currents flowing alternately in opposite directions are occasioned by the rise and fall of the tides the effect of this cause is as before observed most striking in estuaries and channels between islands a third cause of oceanic currents is evaporation by solar heat of which the great current setting through the straits of gibraltar into the mediterranean is a remarkable example and will be fully considered in the next chapter a stream of colder water also flows from the black sea into the mediterranean it must happen in many other parts of the world that large quantities of water raised from one tract of the ocean by solar heat are carried to some other where the vapor is condensed and falls in the shape of rain and this in flowing back again to restore equilibrium will cause sensible currents these considerations naturally lead to the inquiry whether the level of those seas out of which currents flow is higher than that of seas into which they flow if not the effect must be immediately equalized by undercurrents or countercurrents arago is of opinion that so far as observations have gone there are no exact proofs of any such difference of level it was inferred from the measurements of monsieur lapere that the level of the mediterranean near alexandria was lower by twenty-six feet six inches than the red sea near suez at low water and about thirty feet lower than the red sea at the same place at high water but mr robert stevenson affirms as the result of a more recent survey that there is no difference of level between the two seas it was formerly imagined that there was an equal if not greater diversity in the relative levels of the atlantic and pacific on the opposite sides of the isthmus of panama but the levelings carried across that isthmus by captain lloyd in eighteen twenty eight to ascertain the relative height of the pacific ocean at panama and of the atlantic at the mouth of the river chagres have shown that the difference of mean level between those oceans is not considerable and contrary to expectation the difference which does exist is in favor of the greater height of the pacific according to this survey the mean height of the pacific is three feet and a half or three point five two above the atlantic 
if we assume the mean level of a sea to coincide with the mean between the extremes of the elevation and depression of the tides for between the extreme levels of the greatest tides in the pacific at panama there is a difference of twenty seven point four four feet and at the usual spring tides twenty one point two two feet whereas at chagres this difference is only one point one six feet and is the same at all seasons of the year the tides in short in the caribbean sea are scarcely perceptible not equaling those in some parts of the mediterranean whereas the rise is very high in the bay of panama so that the pacific is at high tide lifted up several feet above the surface of the gulf of mexico and then at low water let down as far below it but astronomers are agreed that on mathematical principles the rise of the tidal wave above the mean level of a particular sea must be greater than the fall below it and although the difference has been hitherto supposed insufficient to cause an appreciable error it is nevertheless worthy of observation that the error such as it may be would tend to reduce the small difference now inferred from the observations of mr lloyd to exist between the levels of the two oceans there is still another way in which heat and cold must occasion great movements in the ocean a cause to which perhaps currents are principally due whenever the temperature of the surface of the sea is lowered condensation takes place and the superficial water having its specific gravity increased falls to the bottom upon which lighter water rises immediately and occupies its place when this circulation of ascending and descending currents has gone on for a certain time in high latitudes the inferior parts of the sea are made to consist of colder or heavier fluid than the corresponding depths of the ocean between the tropics if there be a free communication if no chain of submarine mountains divide the polar from the equatorial basins a horizontal movement will arise by the flowing of colder water from the poles to the equator and there will then be a reflux of warmer superficial water from the equator to the poles a well-known experiment has been adduced to elucidate this mode of action in explanation of the trade winds if a long trough divided in the middle by a sluice or partition have one end filled with water and the other with quicksilver both fluids will remain quiet so long as they are divided but when the sluice is drawn up the heavier fluid will rush along the bottom of the trough while the lighter being displaced will rise and flowing in an opposite direction spread itself at the top in like manner the expansion and contraction of sea-water by heat and cold have a tendency to set undercurrents in motion from the poles to the equator and to cause countercurrents at the surface which are impelled in a direction contrary to that of the prevailing trade winds 
the geographical and other circumstances being very complicated we cannot expect to trace separately the movements due to each cause but must be prepared for many anomalies especially as the configuration of the bed of the ocean must often modify and interfere with the course of the inferior currents as much as the position and form of continents and islands alter the direction of those on the surface thus on sounding at great depths in the mediterranean captains berard and d'urville have found that the cold does not increase in a high ratio as in the tropical regions of the ocean the thermometer remaining fixed at about fifty five degrees fahrenheit between the depths of one thousand and six thousand feet this might have been anticipated as captain smith in his survey had shown that the deepest part of the straits of gibraltar is only one thousand three hundred twenty feet so that a submarine barrier exists there which must prevent the influx of any undercurrent of the ocean cooled by polar ice each of the four causes above mentioned the wind the tides evaporation and the expansion and contraction of water by heat and cold may be conceived to operate independently of the others and although the influence of all the rest were annihilated but there is another cause the rotation of the earth on its axis which can only come into play when the waters have already been set in motion by some one or all of the forces above described and when the direction of the current so raised happens to be from south to north or from north to south the principle on which this cause operates is probably familiar to the reader as it has long been recognized in the case of the trade winds without enlarging therefore on the theory it will be sufficient to offer an example of the mode of action alluded to when a current flows from the cape of good hope towards the gulf of guinea it consists of a mass of water which on doubling the cape in latitude thirty five degrees has a rotatory velocity of about eight hundred miles an hour but when it reaches the line where it turns westward it has arrived at a parallel where the surface of the earth is whirled round at the rate of one thousand miles an hour or about two hundred miles faster if this great mass of water was transferred suddenly from the higher to the lower latitude the deficiency of its rotatory motion relatively to the land and water with which it would come into juxtaposition would be such as to cause an apparent motion of the most rapid kind of no less than two hundred miles an hour from east to west in the case of such a sudden transfer the eastern coast of america being carried round in an opposite direction might strike against a large body of water with tremendous violence and a considerable part of the continent might be submerged this disturbance does not occur because the water of the stream as it advances gradually into new zones of the sea which are moving more rapidly 
acquires by friction an accelerated velocity yet as this motion is not imparted instantaneously the fluid is unable to keep up with the full speed of the new surface over which it is successively brought hence to borrow the language of herschel when he speaks of the trade winds it lags or hangs back in a direction opposite to the earth's rotation that is from east to west and thus a current which would have run simply towards the north but for the rotation may acquire a relative direction towards the west we may next consider a case where the circumstances are the converse of the above the gulf stream flowing from about latitude twenty degrees is at first impressed with a velocity of rotation of about nine hundred forty miles an hour and runs to the latitude forty degrees where the earth revolves only at the rate of seven hundred sixty six miles or one hundred seventy four miles slower in this case a relative motion of an opposite kind may result and the current may retain an excess of rotatory velocity tending continually to deflect it westward polar currents therefore or those flowing from high to low latitudes are driven towards the eastern shores of continents while tropical currents flowing towards the poles are directed against their western shores thus it will be seen that currents depend like the tides on no temporary or accidental circumstances but on the laws which preside over the motions of the heavenly bodies but although the sum of their influence in altering the surface of the earth may be very constant throughout successive epochs yet the points where these operations are displayed in fullest energy shift perpetually the height to which the tides rise and the violence and velocity of currents depend in a great measure on the actual configuration of the land the contour of a long line of continental or insular coast the depth and breadth of channels the peculiar form of the bottom of seas in a word on a combination of circumstances which are made to vary continually by many igneous and aqueous causes and amongst the rest by the tides and currents themselves although these agents therefore of decay and reproduction are local in reference to periods of short duration such as those which history embraces they are nevertheless universal if we extend our views to a sufficient lapse of ages End of chapter nineteen part one